Kicking things off at number 11, basically showing you the pace of how the countdown with the cutoff story has this headline. Apologies for the bad pronunciation. Nike H&M face China Fury over Xinjiang cotton concerns. And you want more, know more about those concerns? Go to our website, thisistheconversation.com, and click the link for the Who's Podcast, and you will see more details on that story. On the day that it was posted, on, on the uh, Thursday, the 25th of March, it got 15.5% of the engagement on the day. BBC is our source, so that tells you how big this story was. But other stories were just or quite a bit bigger. We'll tell you about those stories coming up in mere moments. Counting down from 10 to 1, the stories you say with the most conversation of the week here on the Weekly Wrap-Up with Jacob and Payne. These are the stories for the week ending March the 27th, 2021. I am Jay Cleveland Payne. This is the show. and Welcome to the show, the weekly wrap up where we give you a wrap up of the news stories that we posted along the lines on the social media feeds attached to the conversation project. The purpose on the conversation project is to basically gin up the best conversations we can from people around the world, literally around the world. Anyone around the world has access to our social media feeds. And if you like a story that we put out there, you let us know if it's conversational. You let us know if people should be talking about this as opposed to what's directly online or directly in in plain sight on the Chirons on the mainstream media pages. If you're here in the United States, you know that a breaking news story breaks. It may actually be a fresh story at six in the morning when it comes on a morning show, but it basically can meander and be the breaking news that is all day long news. Throughout the day, various other things happen. We put out links to various different sources, to various different stories. Some of them just as serious as a breaking news story. Some of them completely silly. And some of them we actually question whether they're real or not ourselves. We put them out on our social media feeds on Facebook, where you find us at This Is The Conversation, and Twitter at TH underscore conversation. And throughout the day, as you're checking your social media, check those and see if there's a story out there that piques your interest. If it does... Like it, love it, hate it, share it, do whatever you need to do to engage on it. Various platforms have different ways of working on that. And the more engagement a story gets, the higher score it gains throughout the day. You'll notice that if you're a longtime listener, a longtime follower of our newsletter at Eight Things to Talk About, you will see we did some newish things in the newsletter to kind of hopefully bring in a bit more life to it. We're offering the engagement on that day in the newsletter, and we'll say those things in stats today. We're also trying to shorten up the actual responses so that you don't have to go through the full slog of reading and you get basically the gist of it and you go deeper inside of the story on those days. Actually, you can go deeper inside of any story we post online all week long by going to our website, thisisaconversation.com. Click the link for this week's podcast, which is, of course, week ending March the 27th, 2021. We have on the front page of that a listing of all the stories we talk about, even number 11, which we barely talk about. And we have another link where you can go to every single story from 16 to almost at the bottom, the almost relevant story of the week, which this week is 200. We'll tell you what that is coming forward uh, as we go into the actual podcast. Now, as you said, follow us on social media, Facebook, this is a conversation.com and on Twitter, TH underscore conversation. Subscribe to the podcast and share the podcast with other folks and subscribe to the newsletter. Eight things to talk about links for that at our website. This is a conversation.com. Let's go ahead and get into the countdown for this week. We're very excited about some of the new things that we put into the newsletter, the website, and into this podcast. We'll explain those as we go down the line. Let's start off with normal stuff and number 10 story. The headline for that reads like this. Crackdown at Echo Park homeless encampment begins as LAPD moves in, clashes with protesters. Posted this story on Thursday, the 25th of March. This gets a bump in response. It means more people responded to this story than the last story, which you didn't actually get into because it wasn't quite high enough. By 20.00%, 20% on the nose, more people into this one than the previous story. The source is L.A. Times, which makes perfect sense. Echo Park is the park where the large homeless encampments lit were. They lived. The engagement on that day when we posted this in the story on Friday, of course, was 18.68 percent engagement on the day it was posted in the newsletter. Here's a quick blurb from that. Police just before 1030 gave a dispersal order to the crowd through a loudspeaker from a white truck officially declaring it an unlawful assembly. There were some clashes with police seen shoving some protesters and some bottles and other objects thrown at officers. 
Police tried to push protesters back from the park, but they refused to move. At one point, a line of police officers in riot gear moved slowly along Glendale Boulevard at the edge of the lake, telling protesters to clear the area. The protesters, a mix of homeless people and activists who have taken up to their cause, refused to budge and chanted back, Whose park? Our park. The crowd then began chanting, Why are you in riot gear? I don't see no riots here. By 12.30 a.m., the number of protesters had dwindled down to 40, watched over by several hundred police. Some residents of the encampment were saying they would not leave, but others decided it was time to go. In fact, they're pretty much all gone. The encampment at Echo Park is done for. It's gone as of the very dramatic uh, rise in, in the clashes that happened going into Thursday, going into Friday. But it, it is something that's happening all over the nation as I don't want to say there's a crackdown on homeless people, but there is a a new focus on the homeless problem and just how many people and how obvious because of the sizes of the encampments are coming around. Not that there'll be so many more breakups of large encampments because what happens from from the breakup of the encampment, they basically go someplace else. And there's smaller encampments or sometimes they spread out into really get in the way in cities. Uh, some cities have serious uh, issues where they're literally on the streets in very popular places. This is one place where it was more or less contained, but it also was a public park that was once a, I don't want to say beautiful, we'll say a beautiful spot for people to go to overrun by homeless people. This is something that I've seen personally here where I live in Little Rock, where they're, you know, controversially, this is a city that has been seen in the past as extremely nice to homeless, a good place for homeless to kind of end up and be. One uh, example was a park that I used to take my little one to when she was real little so she can run around and do stuff around. We just stopped going to the park because a group of homeless folks essentially took over uh, the restroom area. They, you know, they they were living in there. They had their stuff all over the place. You can go into the restroom. So uh, many people in the neighborhood, including my family, stopped going to that park. My daughter, of course, now older and, and you know, doesn't need those type. There's one of the kitty parks there. One doesn't need that type of stuff. But uh, at the time, it was really depressing and distressing of what was going on. I feel for the homeless population, definitely do, and have uh, given to in time and money to those causes. But at the same time, there are also ways where they do sort of get in the way. This is an issue where it, it got they were in the way. Police and the city decided to clear them out. What's going to come about of all the people out of this encampment? Who knows at the moment? But we do know that encampment in Echo Park uh, in Los Angeles is officially gone. Let's move on to one of the odder stories of the week. And there are some odd ones there. Uh, this headline coming in at the nine spot posted on Sunday, the 21st of March this this week. Has a bump in response to the story at number 10 of 3.81%. The headline, woman claiming to be Pete Davidson's wife reportedly waltzes into his home and takes a seat at the kitchen table. Now, the engagement rate for this story on the day it was posted uh, was 5.28%. Bro Bible is the source for the story. So apologies for the sort of lack of, lackadaisical writing in this. What we clipped out from that story this day included this right here. It appears the king of Staten Island does not have any moats, towers, or armed guards, just one very accessible side door. Pete Davidson's superstan Michelle Moodready found this out the easy way. Thursday, after waltzing into Pete's Staten Island home, he shares with his mother through an open side door and sitting down at the kitchen table, according to TMZ. Pete was not home at the time, but his relative was, and he, she, called the police. It gets weirder. The 24-year-old Moot Ready is allegedly the same woman sent out a press release Tuesday afternoon announcing she and Davidson were married and started a digital entertainment group. Pete's rep claimed not only is all this hogwash, he does not even know Michelle. Quote, not a word of it is true, Davidson's attorney told the outlet. More from the attorney. Mr. Davidson has no idea who this person is. We are investigating and considering all legal acts and, and equitable remedies. New York PD officials tells us Mood Ready has been officially arrested and booked and charged on misdemeanor criminal trespass, trespass, two counts of misdemeanor stalking and harassment. I'm not sure what misdemeanor criminal trespass and trespass are the two different things, but apparently it is. So that's an odd one. I never had any stalkers or any fans of that quite serious. So I don't know how to do. I really don't know how to go into something like that. But this is something that people of this standing, people who get a little famous, 
deal with a lot. Luckily, it didn't turn out anything violent or evil or overly bad, but it just got de-escalated pretty quickly. What's going to happen to Moot Ready? I don't know, but I'm really sure that Pete Davidson's going to have some more security put into his house, at least some sort of alarm for people to walk in the side doors. Let's keep this moving. Going to the story we have at number eight this week. That headline reads like this. Deshaun Watson now has 12 accusers and possibly 10 more. Attorney says Friday, the 19th of March, we posted this one bump in response from the number nine story of 1.38%. This story we pulled from, let's see, was the story we pulled from TMZ. TMZ got a lot of love this week. And engagement of the day it was posted was 5.86%. Now, Dave posted, we're talking about the day it was posted uh, in its top eight, eight things to talk about. On the newsletter, you can find links to, to subscribe to the newsletter and get your eight things to talk about every single morning at this is a conversation dot com. We're going to this is before we actually trim down some of the notes. So I'm going to basically kind of just go through this one just quickly because this was a pretty big story. And Deshaun Watson, who has been dealing publicly with whether he's leaving Houston or not, because Houston has a, picked him up as a big draft pick and he seems like a great guy, but they're not really filling him out with the right players around him. In fact, a big star in Houston, J.J. Watt, left to go to um, Arizona recently uh, because, you know, they just weren't putting him in a good team. Unfortunately, along the way, what we did not know very much, at least per 12 and I think 13 official accusers uh, after this one was posted, and the 10 more that might be out there. Deshaun Watson has a reputation, an underground reputation of serial predator stuff, serial sexual harassment stuff. This is a weird story. Women come forward that at, at this writing were seven black women, two Hispanic women and three Caucasian women are officially accusing him of sexual harassment, sexual misconduct. His attorney, his attorney's name is uh, Busby, is basically explaining that the whole thing away. Um, Tony Busby telling what's going on. There's more accusers and that his client is innocent. Uh, he was basically kind of going through all the motions of what what you would say in these cases. Essentially, they're all looking for sexual for financial gain. Uh, sexual assault is real. So saying that um, not saying that it, these are very light charges. But the fact that his client was being charged was a travesty because he was not he was not the person involved in any of these things, as they were said, plus the other ones that may come down the line. As we said, 12 at the time of this writing, another one came through later in the week. So 13 official accounts, accusers who have filed some sort of claim against this. His attorney, Tony Busby, saying all of this is false. Keeping it going now, story at number seven, this headline, Batwoman brings back Kate Kane, recast Ruby Rose. Uh, the story comes from comicbook.com. The engagement on the day this one made its deadline made its deadline in the actual newsletter is 6.95%. And the story was posted on Monday, the 22nd of March. Bump in response from the story at number eight is 7.69%. I'm also going to sort of skim through this one. Also, even though it's, it's not as big as a write-up when we put this one there, but comes down to Batwoman. Batwoman, the show on the CW, a part of the Arrowverse as the Arrowverse sort of is breaking down. Maybe people are just tiring of the Arrowverse stories. Maybe they were really tied to Arrow itself and one of the bigger ones, Supergirl, which is also going to go away. This is the last season for Supergirl. Uh, Arrow went away about two seasons ago at this point. But Batwoman came on with its second season and came on with a blast. Came on uh, taking on great new storyline as Ruby Rose, the original Batwoman, left the show for a lot of reasons, and they recast the the, per, the person playing Batwoman, not so much as recasting Kate Kane, the character, but essentially rewriting the whole mythos of the story and cast bringing in a new cast member to play Batwoman with a brand new storyline. Well, here's where it got really, really interesting last week. And last week they had a a basically a series or a season one of those season cliffhanger, middle season finales, where they came up, and this is because I watch the show, I'm too much a nerd, they came up with this long sort of race to try to find Kate Kane. Kate Kane has been missing since the beginning of the season, and another person found the suit and made it her own, and they, they brought her into the Bat family. And what's really weird is, at this point, they basically made a declaration that they found evidence that Kate was actually dead, 
But, of course, at the end, the cliffhanger has someone in bandages kind of hiding out in a Gotham barbershop. So that is supposed to be the new Kate. New Kate Kane has been recast, of course. Her name is Wallace Day. Wallace Day is going to be playing an altered version of Kate Kane, and she's an amazing actress, showrunner Carolyn Dries explained. I'm excited for you guys to see the journey that she endures. So, like we said... The cliffhanger is that they're finally officially given up on the search for Kate or people are starting to give them a search for Kate because they're finding out that she was never kidnapped on this mysterious island. And they're finding what looks like DNA evidence of her having died in the plane crash that started the season off. However, comma, she's been recast and it's a comic book story, so they can do anything they want to because it's a comic book. And as you know, from comic book characters, they don't stay dead that long. Number six is a super story. A super story is a story where we take two headlines, basically a headline from one story and a update or a a side story that's basically more or less the same thing, an update. We put them together for numbers purposes so they're not multiple stories floating around inside of the countdown or the entire building. This super story, we and we're going to present this the later story, which is something you've probably heard as one of the big Chiron stories all week. Uh, this moved the main story from around nine to around six. So this story was already here. Super story just moved it up a little bit and kept from the floaters from being around. Your headline for this is Suez Canal blockage is delaying an estimated four hundred million dollars an hour in goods. As you said, Thursday the twenty fifth of March we posted this one at least the Thursday edition one this bump in response from the super story because the two combined make it a greater story by 6.30% the story behind putting these two together was originally at the beginning of the week we posted the story on the Suez Canal being blocked by the very large tanker and we put the update on Thursday which by itself did make that day next day's newsletter uh, that the blockage is delaying estimated $400 million worth of goods every hour. Let me give you a quick rundown on this one. Okay, the stranded vessel is called the Ever Given. It's in the Suez Canal, which is really, really thin. But the reason why the Suez Canal exists and has been there for over 100 years is because it's a fast and easy way to get goods through Europe, through Asia, without having to go around the Horn of Africa. The Horn of Africa has been known based from clipper ship days of being dangerous for the winds out there, the water out there, and for, of course, pirates and all those things, even pirates still exist. Suez Canal was dug as a way to get through, um, basically get through Egypt and get around all that issues, but it still was extremely, extremely thin. In fact, they shut it down about five years ago or shut down for about five years to basically re redig it to basically, uh, widen it out for the larger vessels like this. What they believe happened was a gust of wind in a very big storm turned the boat sideways and lodged it into the lodged it into the sand in both ways. If you've seen pictures of this online, you see pictures of the really, really big construction equipment trying to dig it out and looking like it's you your your playground equipment, you and your sandcastle sandcastle uh, shovel trying to dig out into a beach it's really amazing and right now there's traffic backed up trying to get out and traffic that can't get in at the moment they're estimating as we said 400 million dollars in goods being just delayed or costing that much every single hour because of this big old tanker as i record this on saturday the 27th they are working and egypt says they will dig it out today that's what they say If not, they'll have to start unloading some stuff, and it may take a long time to get this thing dealt with, this tanker itself being so large. One of the things that's being delayed right now, because there's our tankers who were already who were basically behind this boat in line before it got stuck, things like instant coffee, things like oil, some chips, which of course gonna affect the shortage we have in computers and cars right now. Instant coffee, a lot of people freaking out about that one. And oil, because oil prices, gas prices are going up. Uh, So anything that's petroleum-based is going to have some issues while the normal supply is being held back with this. Now, depending on how quickly they can release this vessel, they can let's say they do release it today or tomorrow-ish, things can get back to relatively normal pretty quickly without too much more of an extra ripple in supply chain. Remember, COVID-19 has already screwed up supply chains so badly as it is. Uh, But if this thing's going to take weeks, maybe months, we're going to have serious issues. One, they could unload the ta- the the cargo uh, the cargo 
on off the tankers and driving around. But the Suez Canal is still in the middle of the desert. So that's a whole ordeal in itself. It's not made for offloading ship shipments in the middle of the canals made for just getting through the canal. We shall see how long it takes to cut us out and how much trouble it will be. And if it's more trouble, I'm sure we'll talk about this again next week. This is a quick reminder that this podcast and the Conversation Project is powered by you. You make this thing work. Number one, you make it work by giving me the script to talk about you and your interaction with the news stories. Give me the actual data and give me the actual news stories that we talk about here every week. And we only talk about the ones that you say are top tens with the actual you know, exceptions being the 111 that's a cutoff and the one at the very bottom just for some sort of just context. But in order to keep this thing going, it also needs your support, like financial support, like things like that. Now, we love it that you listen to the podcast and you check out all of our sponsors, all our advertisers, because we do get affiliate links, affiliate payment from them. You see the links here in our podcast. You see the links or hear the links in our podcast. You see them at our website. You see them in our newsletter. You see them inside the feed here or there. And we appreciate all the love you give to those those advertisers because they give us a little of love back. But you can also directly help keep things going. A few ways we have, if you go to our website, this is the conversation.com slash partnerships. We have links for our Patreon and we have links for buymeacoffee.com. You can also visit buymeacoffee.com slash Pain or patreon.com slash this is conversation. Oddly enough, you can also go to this is conversation.com slash Patreon. I know that's way too many call to actions, but you can sponsor us directly by going to our Patreon sites and engaging in what our patrons can get from there. You can also join in by just going to buymeacoffee.com and spending essentially the amount of, of cup of coffee to keep me caffeinated as I drink my coffee while I do these recordings. You can also set that up for a monthly coffee as well. Every little bit helps. The most important thing you can do is make sure you're listening and sharing with people. But if you are getting good value from what we're giving out here, we appreciate that immensely. And we would love for you to help us out by supporting us directly. And you'll see more along the way of Patreon gifts and things like that for for our supporters coming soon. We're doing some revamping of a lot of stuff. It's coming out of the fog of a lot of things, if you will. So you'll see more of that coming soon. And you also see more actual content for those folks that are special for the Patreon listeners. So if you're up for it, go to thisisaconversation.com slash partnerships and see all the ways that you can also help support us directly or just visit any of our sponsors, any of our advertisers you see in our media, in our products out there. And we thank you so much for listening to and being a part of the family. And of course, doing, I'll say the bulk of the work, giving me the actual stuff to talk about every single week. Now let's get back into the new stuff, the stuff that you really, really want. Here's a story that took me a while to post because it went nuts last week. And all weekend long, kept going, going, and going. And actually, as the week kept going, I almost put up an update because we found out new stuff about this guy. This is a person I never heard of, but just because of this one little quirky thing in the world, we've heard a whole lot about this guy. Uh, here's your headline. Jensen Carp, the man who went viral after discovering what appears to be shrimp tails in a box of Cinnamon Toast Crunch, is married to Danielle Fischel Carp, the actor who played Topinga in Boy Meets World. That's the thing that finally got me off my butt to post it, and I posted it on Tuesday, the 23rd of March. Bumpy response from the story at number six of 15.81%. Okay, so yes, that's an extremely long title. That it wasn't even the title of what of the story I pulled it from, from New York Times. And the engagement the day we posted this one was 19.09. This one went big quickly. And it's just the weirdest thing, because there's so many just sort of weird parallels about it. That beside the early fact that a man thought he had shrimp tails and rat feces in his cinnamon toast crunch. But the most interesting part about it was the fact that his last name was Carp. He was married to uh, Danielle Fischel Carp. So their names are Fish and Carp. Uh, she, of course, the actress that played Topanga in Boy Beach World. And to make it even more, not so much interesting, but more just sort of a, eh, he was actually a rapper. Believe it or not. Cool Carl. I have no idea who Carl is, not because he's necessarily a great rapper, but he was a rapper of some sort. 
So all these crazy things go into the fact that he started out with a guy uh, go posting on social media that he had what looked like shrimp tails and rat feces that had been cinnamon toasted. And it was in a cereal. I saw this story originally broke and I didn't post with I saw that early or late last week, early in the weekend last time. And then when more people just started saying, hey, 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 actually, I think it took me a couple hours to kind of even post uh, the thing based on Daniel Fischel Carp, our own Topanga. Um, and that was essentially what, what what got me to post it there. And you guys jumped on this one pretty, pretty deep when it came out there because it was, I don't know if it's interesting or just the Topanga thing. Uh, it just was what it was. Now, what we know going forward in this one, and, you know, like I said, I didn't post the thing about it being cool, Carl, whatever his rap name was. Uh, he actually uh, sent the box of Cinnamon Toast Crunch to a lab to be analyzed because when the, the quirky part of the story originally was, he found these things that he thought were shrimp tails in the Cinnamon Toast Crunch. He's put something on the social media, and the uh, the company uh, basically just sort of giggled about it on Twitter. So with that, there was more back and forth, and now we're going to find out, you know, what the deal is with this box of Cinnamon Toast Crunch. I'm I'm really don't don't know, you know, what to say about this other than just the sheer fact of on a on a week of news that was both extremely serious, extremely heartbreaking and extremely quirky. This was one of the more quirky stories that has lasted over a couple of weeks. Like I said, these things picked up. Sometimes news stories have to pick up steam and you pick as you unravel that onion in the news and peel the onion because you don't unravel onion, peel it. uh, You find more layers that make it more interesting, more, more in entertaining in this case and it took to the finding out that he was married to topanga from boys meet world to make this story interesting to me yeah um shrimp tails and shrimp cinnamon toast crunch should have been enough but it just seemed like with all those things we're posting and a lot of heartbreaking things we're posting starting from uh, the weekend it took a while for this to find some space when it found its space you guys jumped on it pretty quickly and we we are accordingly presenting it here in this week's podcast at number four this week, posted on Sunday, the 21st of March, a bump in response from the number five story of 15.02%. Headline reads, Miami Dolphins cut Isaiah Wilson after videos surface of Wilson skipping practice to dance on top of car shirtless. Bro Bible wrote this one for us, too. So we're going to um, ex- kind of excuse the language, if you will. Let me read you what they had. He, he, that being Isaiah Wilson, uh, had an engagement with this story when we posted it of 7.91% the day it went live in the newsletter. The Isaiah Wilson era in Miami is officially over. Two weeks ago, the Dolphins traded a seventh-round pick for the troubled Titans' first-round pick, but unfortunately, things didn't work out. On Friday night, Wilson uploaded a video of himself dancing on top of a car, another video of himself vaping. Less than 24 hours after the video surfaced, Dolphins cut him because they didn't feel he was serious about playing football after he skipped out on voluntary workouts to do whatever he was doing. Wilson, who also played four snaps, I'm sorry, only played four snaps for the Titans in his rookie season, was arrested on a DUI charge prior to the season's first game and later placed on reserve non-football illness list at the end of the season due to, here's your quotes, personal issues. There's a decent chance Wilson's career is over due to his off-the-field behavior. I say that's a very big chance that Wilson's career is over due to his off-the-field behavior. And I don't have to be an NFL analyst or a psychologist or a person with eyes to, to, to notice that. I'm just saying. I'm also just saying this is another story that was on the weirder side. Uh, posted on Sunday as well, the 21st of March. This is the top-rated Facebook story of the week, and Facebook didn't didn't actually put the story into the actual top 10, but it made it leap up to three. It would have been five or maybe six, but the Facebook love pushed it up because it needed just a little bit of a kick. The bump in response from the story at number four is only 2.9%, so not very much higher than that one, but like I said, a little bit of Facebook love. As we say, Twitter runs the show around here, but Facebook uh, helps things out you'll see how much twitter runs the show when we get to two and three two or two and one uh, making things work out but this is a story that was posted because it looked kind of silly and you guys basically agreed with that one your headline for the story at number three billionaire kylie jenner sparks fury by asking fans to pay for stylist surgery after donating just five thousand dollars we get this from 
the Indy 100 website for Indianapolis's news site. And the story brings up a lot of issues for a few things. Number one, her stylist had surgery, needed surgery. And because this is 2021, you asked the world to pay for your stuff. So the stuff was put out in a uh, GoFundMe page to pay for the surgery that was needed. Kylie Jenner, uh, who is one of the people that goes to stylist, put out the word to try to get more money, gin more people to get into it. And she did give money to that. She gave five thousand dollars. However, comma, Kylie Jenner is known to be a air quotes billionaire. And people basically said, well, if you're a billionaire, why don't you pay for your stylist's uh, surgery and stop trying to beg other people to pay for it? Now, this turned into a whole sort of a flurry of, of just mad anger to go back and forth to say, number one, she uh, in fact, in fact, they rewrote the article to say that they changed the wording to Kylie Jenner is a billionaire. To Kylie Jenner is a self-proclaimed billionaire. Of course, she says she's a billionaire and maybe she actually was worth that at some point in time. Right now, many people say she's not worth that. And some people say she never was. It was just a publicity stunt that seemed to work. So, number one, is she a billionaire? Air quotes is actually in the actual title. Number two, if she's a billionaire, why is she paying up for this guy's stuff? And even if she's not a billionaire, how come she's only given $5,000 and begging other people to pay for the surgery? This is a story that will go on and on and on for people who care about the Kardashians or the Jenner card. I guess she's a, whatever you want to call that one. But this is just one of them things that uh, just people just tend to jump onto. Sometimes I wonder because I've created this project mostly for more newsy stories. But how when the not newsy stories, how the more tabloid stuff and some of the more just silly stuff like chasing Kardashians pop in, how it gets there. It is. These are the world. We're asking the world about how the stories work and how big things are and which stories are more conversational. This one, for the moment in time it was, was pretty conversational. Let's move to another story that if it weren't for the number one story, I th- it, this one was definitely going to be the top story by leaps and bounds. And it, it was posted early Monday, the 22nd of March. And this story gets a bump in response from the story at number three by 90.49 percent, 90.5 percent. And trust me, when we get to the top story, you'll you'll you won't be surprised that it's so high. But you may, you know, be shocked at how these things work themselves out because it basically popped up right after it. The headline for this one is Project Veritas wins early round in defamation lawsuit against The New York Times. The story that we have this from comes from The Federalist, which may be a bit slanted, but uh, people jumped onto this one and it is a real story. It's not one that got a lot of coverage anywhere. Uh, the engagement of this one the day it got posted into the newsletter for eight things to talk about is 19.35%. So for the day it was live on a newsletter that morning, it was a big, big deal. I'm not going to uh, read this one because this one was a really, really long one to try to get in there. But Project Veritas is the project, if you will, uh, the journalistic project for conservative news, where basically they go undercover and do really, really weird stuff. They came to prominence by going into abortion clinics and and saying that people were basically selling their babies uh, or pre babies to the abortion clinic. And that turned out to be a little bit of a misnomer. So, well, anyway, this caper that they're that that they're doing with now, New York Times wrote about them when they had a defamation suit or those defamation suit by New York Times. Let me repeat that back. There's a defamation suit by Project Veritas filed against the New York Times as they were reporting on illegal voting practices. That's being Project Veritas. And they basically had a sting where they just offered up random ballots for random people just showing up. Say, hey, I got 300 ballots for this guy. What you want for him? Uh, Oddly enough. The New York Times reported it reported as kind of just B.S. And Project Veritas sued because they said it was investigative journalism. And right now. In that defamation lawsuit, Project Veritas is winning. We will see how much further this goes and whether this becomes a larger story. As I said, not a lot go- going on in this story. It was something that, that basically came about over the weekend, was written up about on Monday. And then the story that's going to overtake everything, overtook everything. And we're going to go in and read all that when we get to that one. But uh, this is your story at number one. It gets fanfare, but fanfare is really a hard way to describe what we're talking about today. It is a top Twitter story this week. It is a story that gets a bumper response from number two, Project Veritas story, 
of 197%, 197.88 to be exact. It gets a bump response from number 10. That was a crackdown at Echo Park of 837%. And it is more responsive, a bump in response from the number 200 story this week. That's our almost relevant story of the week. We'll give it a headline at the end of the show, but it's more responsive than that story by 196,800%. That is six figures percent, almost um, 200,000% to 196,000% more responsive than that story. And what is that story? This is one that I'm pretty sure you all know too many deep, intimate details of. In fact, we didn't even try to update it over the week because it was so far ahead of everything we knew where it was going to be. Posted on Monday, the 22nd of March, headline, active shooter, Boulder police officers rushed to King Supers on Table Mesa. Uh, We got that from the CBS local uh, there in uh, Boulder, Colorado, in Colorado, from their website. Engagement for the day, it actually made it the next day into the potent newsletter, 57.54%. That's the engagement that it had in that that span uh, going into the 24 hours um, of Monday into Tuesday, how much engagement people had for that story on that day going into it. I don't have the full details of the update, so I'm not going to go into the updates. I'm not actually going to go pretty quickly into the story and not obviously no commentary for this one because you can't really do that. But what happened is an active shooter call went out to the King Supers on Table Mesa Drive on South Broadway in Boulder, Colorado, around 2.30 p.m. Uh, Ten people died in the incident, one of those people being a police officer, the first officer on the scene to attempt to break down the, uh, the the incident this turned into a long ordeal people watched it for hours on tv those are breaking news that that overtook everything for the day and throughout the week as it progressed we learned more and more about the people there now last week we had a big incident where the shooter was targeting women and who happen to be asian women and there's still some debate on whether they are whether it was a racial motivated thing or a sexual motivated thing and so that gets really really crazy uh it did bring up for the first time in a while the whole gun violence thing and to have two mass shootings as mass shootings defined as a shooting where more than four people are killed uh 10 people killed the week before at multiple locations 10 people killed at this location um this last week uh happening or this week happening on Monday have two of those in the week has sparked all sorts of just talk about gun reform and mental issues and things like that which if we weren't we weren't dealing with all sorts of other sort of weird political things like the filibuster of all things would have probably gotten more run this week it is what it is it it just is what it is there are 10 people whose lives were lost. I don't have them in my notes here. I would read each one of those names right now. 10 people whose lives were lost in this incident. 10 people's lives lost a week ago. And we're going to have weird debates on guns right now. We're going to. And one of the things that have basically been stated, and you can um, you can send any email replies to me at the conversation inbox at gmail.com. Uh, one, um, one congressman who was a former Army Ranger uh, basically said, you know, I'm a long lifelong hunter and I actually served in Afghanistan. I never took my hunting rifle to Afghanistan. I didn't bring my rifle from Afghanistan to go hunting. There are rules, engagement and rules for weapons for use. And we've got some, we've got them screwed up. We don't understand them. So I'm not going to go deep into the gun debate right now because it's, this thing is really still kind of fresh. But there, I'm not sure, you know, usually there's some sort of large incident that sparks the time to act on things. And if it doesn't spark a time to act on things, it, it sort of sparks a, a new generation of activists and people who speak on things who in normal cases would not have a chance to speak on things. Columbine brought about a new chance for people to speak on these things because it was a brand new early thing when this happened. And every single one that's happened past that has brought in people to speak on gun rights and gun activism, things like that. Um, Parkland was a big one where it essentially turned a class of high school students into a mass mob of activists who are now overly famous and overly powerful politically because of something that was not quite random 
but would not have sparked that much activism in a group of kids that young or any group on that, that, that level. We've had a large number of people who have become civil rights activists or activists in Black Lives Matter, for lack of a, a term to throw it into, uh, police reform because they've been dealt a bad hand by life because someone that they knew and loved was killed by a police officer. And you can go down the line on whether the actual action was justified or unjustified in most situations. Like it just seemed like two years ago, anytime a black person went down the street every two days or so, some cop was shooting someone. They can't all necessarily be bad guys, but it just seems like that was what was happening. Gun reform. I'm not sure it's ever going to happen. Let me no. Let me let me change that. Reforming of how guns are operated and handled here in the United States will happen. There will always be some sort of small changes. But just like we're seeing in voting rights, where it seems like the people who lost the elections, while they defended the fact that they did everything to lawful rightness for this election here, realize that lawful rightness is why they lost the election. So they're changing everything. So make it harder for people to do things. That's basically what happens. You, you, you're not changing to make things easier to do or easier to prosecute people who are who are mishandling guns or easier to identify people who may mishandle guns or easier to get help for people who just need help. You're just making it harder because you don't want to offend the people who aren't doing anything wrong or you or you want to you know have an agenda that just doesn't seem to make any sense because you're in power and you just don't want anybody to change anything. Things are changing. Life is changing. The world is changing. Everyone is changing and fortunately we have people who now have power and can see, you know, the uh the oddities of of how things are and how things should be and are speaking up. Sooner or later, they'll have the power to actually change things outright. But because of status quo, often things don't get changed as quickly as they need to. In the meantime, we're going to do what we can to to make sure that this topic stays live. Whether you agree with me on my personal stance on guns, and I have literally have very little problem with people owning guns and with people owning you know AR-15 style guns, to be honest, I don't necessarily have a problem and anybody who has one, I don't care that you've got one. No one's trying to take that away from you. But if you don't have guns and you have issues that may be a little on the wild side, then I'm for keeping those folks not having guns, which should put me on the same level of people who have their guns and don't want them taken away. But somehow it doesn't. I'm not sure why, but somehow it doesn't. I know I said I wasn't going to editorialize and I did. Hopefully that was coherent. It just um, it just it just sort of I tried to wrap it up and just that's just how it came out. Now, you will hear me do more editorializing, not necessarily the real word uh, on more things coming up. We're going to launch a another sister podcast to this one. Uh, it's going to be essentially it's it's prename is 90 second commentaries. It's basically going to be based on something that pops up in the eight things to talk about every day, a quick commentary on things that level. It may turn into a bit of a longer commentary, an, art, an article that, uh, that you can see some places you will. But that's sort of the plan on doing that. We're working the logistics of putting it out there and promoting it as well. So look out for that coming forward. If you like commentary from this dude, I can go down the line and tell you where my background is and why you should care about it. And you can still not care. Uh, you'll hear more about that and you still will get commentary here inside of the podcast, this podcast here. Uh, but we're going to do more focused stuff going forward and do more changes to more or less how this thing sounds. We are wanting to go back to getting the interview in for the brackets game. The biggest issue for the brackets is I record this on Saturdays and have a hard time on Fridays trying to find time to actually make the calls, get things recorded and get things going. And and grabbing people on Saturdays is an issue too. So if you want to hear more people, famous, non-famous, just interesting people and what they feel about the news and the random news, not so much what they want to talk about, but what we want them to talk about, if you will, you can uh, keep on listening and send me your feedback at the conversation inbox at gmail.com. 
Now let's go through the numbers, the stats, and we'll talk about how we got to the big old countdown before we get to our final episode, final um, story, which is number 200, the 200 distinct different stories this week. And that is the almost irrelevant story of the week. This one's a weird one, but we're going to get to that when we get to that one. Now, the engagement level, we told you the engagement for the day it was in the newsletter for the story, uh, the number one story, it was 57.54%. So almost 60% of the people who were engaged with stories with us between Monday and Tuesday touched that story. That story itself got 17.72% of all total engagement for the week uh, along the lines of the top five i'm sorry top 10 uh, because of the big hit for the number two story which would have been a massive one on its own top 10 stories got a total engagement this week of 42.73 percent normally that's 30 36 percent and we're not surprised if it's less than 30 percent but it's normally in that 36 percent range because this was so much bigger and so much mass going on it popped up to 42 almost 43 percent the stories that we call the also almost rands not the also rants. The almost rants almost got into the top 10, still including the number 11 story we had as a cutoff about the cotton concerns about Nike and H&M. Those stories, because there are a lot of big stories, but that one big story pushed things down so much. That's normally in the five to six percent range this week. Eleven through 15 pulled about seven point three percent of the engagement. We added a number where we added the, the, the total Although it doesn't seem more like it's that much total. But the, the stories that we mentioned here, they, they pulled 50.04% of all engagement this week. That's 50% of all engagement. That's stories 1 through 10 or 10 through 1, the way we count them down. Stories 11 through 15, which we don't actually mention, but we bring them up as a point. Uh, the top 15 stories took up all those stories, all that engagement Plus the story at number 200, which is on the low end this week. That story is normally at 003 this week, 0.01. This is a story that basically falls in line with how this thing should be. A story posted late Friday or late yeah, late Thursday, early Friday as we wrap this thing up. We take the stories from midnight on Friday to about 5 a.m. the next Friday when we cut things off. This story, as we already told you, is 196,800% less responsive than the story at number one, the active shooter in Boulder. Oh, before we get out of this, the engagement this week for Facebook to Twitter, more lines the same, just slightly uh, uh, staggered because of the big response to the number one story. Ninety two point nine four percent of the respondents on Twitter. That's normally around eighty eight. So about four percent higher. So engagement for the Facebook, less than 10 percent, less than the normal, uh, less than normal, eight percent, less than normal, nine percent, seven point zero six percent on that one. Now, the headline for the story posted on Friday, the 26th of March, with, of course, the less of response by 196,800%. We pulled from mirror.co.uk, so the Mirror's uh, website overseas. You know the engagement. It's pretty, pretty sucky. And this is a story that's really sad, but really kind of weird. Schoolboy forced to miss weeks of class after five pairs of shoes deemed unacceptable. Let me read you a slight clip of the story. You can go to our website, thisistheconversation.com, click the link and get deeper into it because it's longer story. The mirror, the way it presents things with a lot, a lot of pictures and a lot of little links and a lot of things popping up makes it a little harder to read. But here's the, the gist of the story and why a mother is pretty angry that a boy got sent home because shoes don't work. An angry mom was hit out of her son's has hit out at her son's school after they deemed five pairs of shoes she had bought him unacceptable. Bacab Carradi was missed weeks of class because he doesn't have the correct footwear. The boy returned to Gloucester Academy on March 9th, only be sent home. His mom, Denza Karadovova, says they were similar to what he had worn previously at school, reports Gloucester Live. She's upset and frustrated because Gloucester Academy have not have now not accepted five different pairs of shoes they have bought for their son. The parents said, we found out the night before school returned that he did not have shoes that fit him. So we went out to Tesco and asked her to buy him some new shoes, which were similar to what he had worn before. Family bought five pairs of shoes for cab, but his school said no to all of them. Vakav told his mother he claims he was forced to make a decision on if he was going to wear the girl's shoes 
or the boys' oversized shoes. Now, the story goes a little bit deeper, and we're not going to go deep into it at this point in time for time's sake. The story goes deeper into the fact of how this worked out. They bought one pair of shoes. They said no. They bought another pair of shoes. They said no. They basically went to the store five times, about five pairs of shoes, and they both and they all said no. Something about the fact that they don't work right. They're Velcro crass, clasp, uh, or non-tied or something like that. But they're not saying what's wrong with the shoes. They're just saying they're not right shoes and the shoes he wore before. If I were a mom or I am a dad and my kid got sent home five times for five different pairs of shoes, I'd be mad too. Now, this is a tabloid, so we don't know how big of a story this is. Gloucester's Live, may, this may be a top story for them, but we posted it because it seemed interesting, and you guys didn't deem it all that interesting, which is why we're talking about it, oddly enough. But we're talking about it as the almost irrelevant story of the week, getting 0.01% of engagement throughout the entire week's worth of news. And with that, we're going to wrap things up for the show this week. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the way things sounded today, you notice the different tweaks and things we've done for the show this week. And hopefully I can remember to repeat them next week. Email us at the conversation inbox at gmail.com and let us know what was good, what was not so good, and any other suggestions you want to give to us as well. Support the show by going to thisconversation.com slash partnerships and find ways to partner up with us or just click on any link from any of the advertisers you see in all of our forms on the website, in the newsletter, in the feed, and ones we talk about here on the podcast. Make sure you are subscribed to our news, our feeds so you can actually join in the conversation. Facebook, it's This Is The Conversation, and Twitter, TH underscore conversation. We post a new news story every 50 minutes or so, and as we do, you just check into them and like them, love them, hate them, share them, engage with the stories, and the higher the score gets, the better it plays out every single week here. We take the Twitter and the Facebook and put it together in one true score that evens things out, makes them even, even though Facebook is so much less of a factor than the Twitter in most cases. And then we give you the top to bottoms from the top 10 stories of the week. Make sure you're sharing this podcast with other great like-minded people and just being a part of the community there. And also look for our newsletter to get bits and pieces of what's going on and kind of an idea of how things will turn out every single week. It's called Eight Things to Talk About. Monday through Friday mornings, you'll get eight things to talk about if you go to work, if you're chatting with folks, things like that. And they're not necessarily the Chiron stories. And you can find details on that at the website, of course. This is conversation.com. I'm Jake Cleveland Payne. Thanking you once again for being a part of the show. Not only being a part of the show by helping out by giving us the stories to talk about, but listening and seeing how things returned at the end of the week. We have been posting stories since the cutoff from last show yesterday. And so we already have some, some stories already in the queue, ready to be posted into the newsletter for Monday. And of course, we'll see which stories will make it all the way to next Friday, next Saturday as we record the next version of this podcast, the weekly wrap-up with Jake Lee Payne. So for all the folks behind all the efforts at The Conversation Project and thisistheconversation.com, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. We will see you again next week with a whole nother podcast, a whole nother list of 10 stories that you told us were most conversational. We'll talk to you next week.